There is a library that exists at the nexus where all other universes collide. Inevitably, things wind up there by mistake. Books, artifacts, people. This is the place where things from all universes end up when they get lost. This is the Eternity Archives. Welcome back to the Eternity Archives. My name is Bappy, and I play Rilda Jaquel, and we are playing Hack the Planet. Hi, my name is Dorka. My pronouns are she, her. I play Zen, the medieval lizard lady who is about to get cyberpunky. Hi, everyone. I'm Ziva. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Linda, the adorable human office lady who probably doesn't like know what cyberpunk is, like if you said cyberpunk to her, but there's going to be some familiar grounding here, I think. Uh, hello, everybody. My name is Ember, and I play Hope, the planar dimensional hopping lady who has probably been to a couple of cyberpunk dystopias. So if she were there, this would absolutely be old hat for her. But she's not because she's busy stuck being uh, a glorified mission control. Welcome back to the second episode of Hack the Planet. Uh, I am currently serving as the guest GM for this arc. Thank you very much again, y'all, for letting me on and having me for this. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for GMing for us. I'm very excited to see uh, what twists and turns are ahead of us. It's always fun for us to get to play together. Yes. And to do that, we need to bring in extra help. So we're going to move on to the icebreaker question, which is, what is your favorite vehicle chase in media? So I'm going first because I think there's a chance that the one of you is going to say this, but my favorite vehicle chase in media is the entirety of the Nicolas Cage film Drive Angry. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> That's such a good That's a answer. Good answer. <laughs> um, it is truly one of the stupidest films I've ever seen in my life. Nicolas Cage plays himself the entire time. I'm not sure there's like a like high quality thing in the movie at all, but it seems like everyone involved is just having a great time, including me watching it. And so that's my answer is the entirety of the film Drive Angry. Speaking of movies that are all all just a big car chase scene, isn't that Mad Max movie basically fit that criteria? Yes, but it's also yes. good. Yes, it is also good. So it's on the other side of spectrum of movie long car chase scenes. Is that your answer? Um, I couldn't think of one. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'll take it. It's good enough. It's, yeah, I mean, it's a valid answer. That movie has, has some really it good It is issues. a really it's, good it's answer. A good movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good movie and it has some real kick-ass car scenes in it. All right. So my favorite car chase is from the movie The Blues Brothers. That's also a good very, answer. Which just has like this massive good. car chase at like the very end where they destroy over a hundred cars and it's just so funny and so great. And fun fact, before we recorded this, I asked my husband like, hey, what's your favorite car chase scene in a movie? And without hesitation, he just said exactly the same thing. So that's why we're <laughs> married. No, that's a good one. I actually rewatched that movie, I think earlier this year, like back in February. And, and my God, what 
what a good movie. What a good scene. It's fantastic. It really is a good movie. It's just so good. It's I would like to quickly before we move on, just posit my my theorem that's extremely important, which is that Blues Brothers and Mamma Mia are just gendered versions of each other. What? <laughs> they're the they're the same film. No, no. no. I get it. I, I get it. I absolutely get it, and you're right. No. The, what? Yeah, no, they're the same film, but Mamma Mia is the femme version and Blues Brothers of them is the mask version. They're both about getting the band back together and a mission of self-discovery while you play a bunch of hits from years past. And it's mostly about the music and having a good time. Okay. They're the same Okay, movie. I'll accept that hot take then. Yeah, thank you. Ember, what's your favorite car chase? Well, I said vehicle chase specifically because my two favorite chases do not involve actual cars. Uh, One of them is the end sequence from the first, the very first Mission Impossible movie where a helicopter chases, I think it's a bullet train down into a tunnel. My actual favorite one, that's technically my second favorite one, uh, but it's, it's very high up there. My actual favorite one is the arena bike scene from Tron Legacy, which I, I'm not, it, it has chase moments in it, and then it ends in a chase, so I'm not, it's one of those, like, technicalities, but I made the question, so <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and count it. Ember thinking out of the box here. Thinking out of the box that I gave to you, and then proceeded to be like, actually, I don't follow the box rules, <laughs> which is exactly what I should do as a GM. And with that, we shall go ahead and move back into the episode. So when we last left off, you all had journeyed through the magical, mystical book drop and have appeared in a strange new world trapped in some sort of strange new box. And exactly what that box is... We're going to have to think out of the box. Yes, exactly. See, it all it all ties together. I am a <laughs> genius. Thank you for recognizing that, Dorka. All right, let's think outside the box. <laughs> Once you do get enough of your bearings to open your eyes, uh, the three of you are together. You are in some kind of a holding cell in a laboratory. The first thing that you see as you look around is the glass front that looks to be reinforced with bars inside of the glass itself. Aside from that, you are in a a futuristic-looking laboratory. Uh, On the other side of the wall, in front of a bank of consoles, is a rather taciturn-looking woman who is definitely not your contact. You see a a human woman with long black hair that's been tied up into a bun, dressed in in a lab coat, uh, and wearing a a nice pair of glasses. The thing that immediately gets your focus about her is her very piercing green eyes, which are looking over all of you in the same way that one would look through a microscope at some kind of cell culture. You get the sense when you look at this woman that she is not seeing you for the people you are more than she's seeing you for the collections of tissues and organs that you are. Real immediately scrambles onto their feet and runs up to the bars and it's just like, oh, fuck, no, I have watched enough TV to know what the fuck this is. You, you can, can bang on the, the plastic and the bars all you like. Your efforts seem to have little effect. Do they start getting getting violent with the bars? Do they, do they start yeah. like, really trying to bang out? I think so. The woman, you can see her, leans down into a microphone and goes, Please stop trying, you're only going to hurt yourself. Uh, I'm really good at that, so fuck you. And just, uh, <laughs> keep hitting the bars. Zen grabs, like, puts puts her hands on Rail's shoulders and says, Allow me, and sort of moves Rail out of the way. <laughs> and then starts banging on the shit herself. The woman turns to presumably some kind of assistant. 
a man uh, a little bit shorter than, than she is, definitely a little bit younger with uh, blonde hair. She says, Jasper, go ahead and turn it on. So Jasper nods and pushes a button, and then all of you feel the most immense shock of pain you have ever felt in your entire life for what feels like a very long time, but is in reality only a, a far less than half of a second. And then your body just seizes from the, the sudden shock. And then she leans back into the mic and goes, Please stop resisting. I don't want to have to do that again. Yeah, uh, sounds like sounds fake to me. You are the contingent from the library, correct? So who are you exactly? Are you the ones who uh, who did that odd little pull spin thing? Because um, you should know that there's folks watching us and we're quite busy and we don't appreciate uh, whatever this setup is. And so we would love to uh, let you go your way and have us go our way. Thank you very much. Zen tilts her head back to yell at the sky. Hope, you still there? Silence. Hope? Fuck. Who are you people? The scientist leans in and goes, I am Dr. Addersgate, and this is Tanavastra Arcanum Supply. We have been attempting to reach you and your organization for quite some time, so thank you. There are standardized channels for that, I believe, and they don't, as far as I know, involve waylaying archivists. Uh, there's honestly probably not much we can do to help you. We just, you know, they hand the missions down to us. You're going to have to go higher up the thread, I think. Your presence here is quite sufficient for what we need, because at some point you will have to be called back home. Yeah, but you see, for that, we need to be in touch with, you know, our person on the other side, and she doesn't seem to be responding to me, so I think y'all really fucked this one up somehow. She blinks a few times and then taps at a couple of keys and then goes, Are you aware of the frequency upon which your communications take place? That would really help things narrow down. Uh... I don't know uh, what that means. It's just through our book. We It's not like a fucking radio. I'm afraid that you might have asked the wrong archivist. This is, uh, look, look, we just, we go where we're sent and we do what needs to be done. And like I said, you really should just let us go on our way. We don't know anything about frequencies. Uh, we don't make any of the decisions. Uh, we're really good at uh, non-lethal range damage, but that's about all we can help you with. <laughs> Oh, no, wait, that's the one we're bad at, isn't it? Yeah, no, we're really bad at that one, Linda. (laughs) Zen blinks, and it's like she's had a realization, and she turns to the others and says, We haven't been asking nearly enough questions about this whole process, have Uh, we? Yeah, Um, I mean, now that you I kind of get into my own head. You know, my therapist has told me that, but I haven't had a therapist in, in, like, I don't know, how long have we even been here? That's usually how companies work. Someone sets you down for onboarding, and then Didn't have that. Uh, you do what comes into your email box. Don't and, have that. Um, I don't don't you, have an email. You pretty much just do that un- until you leave. So, uh, yeah, you know, I've never thought about it before. Huh. <laughs> yeah, Zen being like, oh, we didn't ask enough questions, right? The only person here who's had a job is, like, Linda, who is an office person. <laughs> Linda's job is like, Linda, fix the copier. Linda, please reorder toner. (laughs) Linda's job is to not ask questions. (laughs) Yeah, that sure is Linda's job. So, uh... I I was just going to do we have the same clothes on right now, or are we wearing our... You have turned fully into your uh, Hack the Planet world self, so whatever, whatever clothes you sort of imagined yourself in, you have. 
if you if you had any custom equipment or weapons in mind, you can have that with you. Um, but as it is, the cell you are in seems quite securely contained, and they have quite the method of deterring you from any untoward actions. Dr. Addersgate is listening to your banter with precisely zero amusement on her face. So once once it kind of slows down, she leans in and goes, Well, I would like to let you go, but unfortunately all of the signal monitoring equipment is here, and I need you in order to get to the library. So I'm sure you understand the unfortunate position that we're in here. No, why do you need to get to the library? Like, okay, first of all, no one ever wants to get in touch with, like, a dimensional hopping organization via the means of kidnapping and isn't an evil fuck. So can you convince us how you're not an evil fuck and maybe we might be a little bit more helpful or are you just an evil fuck? We've had some bad luck lately, so I'm with Rail on this one. I would love an explanation, please. She sort of takes a moment and then just kind of, you know, does the sort of nod her head from side to side, like, yeah, that makes sense. For much of our planet's existence, we were locked into a constant state of being unable to communicate with other planes, other people, other areas of reality. Through a, shall we say, fortunate incident that happened fairly recently, this embargo seems to have lifted and we find ourselves once again able to communicate outwards. Suffice it to say that I have tracked many of the odd signals that have been going in and out of our reality to the library. And from what I have discovered, it is quite the unusual operation. I wish to inspect it for my own purposes. Exactly what can be done, I don't know, but I am sure that it holds quite a bevy of advanced technology that could help, given that you are here. Maybe your planet or whatever the fuck was locked away because you have a tendency of kidnapping people and everyone else was like, wow, fuck those guys. Let's just put them in a corner. And then now you're finally at a timeout. And guess what the first thing you do is this shit. Well, I do regret the circumstance. And then she she cuts off uh, because you hear a beeping coming through the microphone and she looks at her watch. and <sighs> We'll have to finish this conversation later. I have an unfortunate meeting to attend. Fuck you, we do. I'm sure you understand. Let's see here. Um, she flips a couple more switches and then leans over and, and goes, Jasper, please go ahead and take care of them. And don't harm them unnecessarily. I should be back within the hour or so. And then she just kind of stands up and turns around and walks to a door that's on one of the walls. It slides open and then closes after she leaves. Zen turns around to Rail and Linda and sort of gestures them close. And it's like, okay, group huddle. Okay, so I don't know about you two, but I don't trust almost anything about this situation. This is weird, right? This is pretty weird. It's pretty fucked up. Can't get in contact with Hope, and that's unsettling. Yeah. Yes. I'm also very worried about this want to get to the library. That's pretty not normal. No, that's evil villain shit. Yes, I would agree with that. Is there like a door or something to the cell or any kind of interface? As far as you can tell, no, there is no door. It just seems to be genuinely just a sheet of solid glass, thick glass that is keeping you in here. Is there anything above me or below, like on the floor? Are there any cracks at all anywhere? Well, you all sit up and and start taking stock of the situation that you're in. When there is a thud, that happens over the loudspeaker that is piping sound into the room. And whenever you look over... Jasper, who was formerly standing up against the console, is now leaning over the console, unconscious or perhaps dead. Standing behind him is a young-looking woman with tan skin and dark brown eyes. 
She is dressed in kind of stock futuristic tech wear clothing, but most importantly, she's got a white hood pulled up over her head. So she reaches up and pulls that back and, and shakes out her, her short hair and goes, Hello? Can you, can you hear me? Can you... Hello? Is this, is this on? Yes. We can hear you. Cool. Hi. Uh, I'm Selkie, and I'm here to get you out. You're the library people, right? Are you also evil? I... Maybe? No? Probably not. I don't think so. I work for Takomi. That's who you're coming here to meet, right? She was talking to you, your organization. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Zen opens her journal and pushes the, the picture up against the glass. She reaches down to her back pocket and pulls out what is functionally a, a little portable phone or communications device, and she holds it up against the glass, and there's a picture of Takomi. Looks just like a, just in fact like the, the tiefling that you're supposed to meet, with dark blue skin and uh, similarly colored horns. Oh, well, it looks like we at least have a mutual friend, so uh, yes, please get us out of here. That would be lovely. Better out there than in here. Okay, um, buttons. Buttons, why are there so many buttons? Don't press that one, please. Was it the one that he had his hand on? Because that's the button labeled pain. Yeah, no, not oh. that one. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. like that one. Yeah, that one is appropriately named. And then she moves out of one of the other console, and you hear more tapping on some keys. And then she finally just kicks the console, and the glass that you have, a seam of it develops like just forms across the middle of it and it splits horizontally so half of it goes up and half of it descends down to the floor she goes hi hi hello hi. thank you for getting us out of there i would love to brief you on exactly what's going on and where you are but i have a feeling we don't have that kind of time what do you say we get going and we can have some fun conversations in the bikes yeah, leave first. Talk later. I just need to do this really quick. Real just goes over and kicks Jasper's body slash corpse and then runs back to with everyone else. Okay. <laughs> uh, he he might be dead. You're not sure. No one really stopped to check, but that seems like a secondary concern. Yeah, yeah, they, they don't care. They just want to kick that asshole. For the record, normally I would not be in favor of kicking someone who might be dead, but honestly, that guy was kind of a, um, and Linda leans in real close and goes, kind of a dick. Yeah, he was a super dick. And evil. Yeah, probably. There's a lot of evil dicks in here. Selkie opens up the door and runs out and starts leading the way. So you run out of the uh, laboratory holding cell into what looks like another laboratory hallway. The paneling here is sort of the uh, really dumb but futuristic looking sci-fi Apple style where everything's just kind of white or like shaded white. White minimalism. White minimalism. And everything just looks kind of neat and sleek and stylish, and it's absolutely disgusting, and I hate it. Uh, <laughs> but it's the kind of hallway that you're you're running through, um, and you are all booking it. Exactly where you're going is kind of hard to keep track. None of you have been here before. All these corridors start to look identical. There's a lot of doors. You're passing a lot of people. It's all just generally this kind of chaotic mess. And then as you're running up towards what looks like a, like a T-style intersection in a hallway, you hear footsteps ahead of you, and then... Coming into view are some people dressed in dark-colored uniforms meant to, to help them stand out and what look to be carrying batons that are, are themselves arcing with electricity. Uh, sidearms are sitting at their side and helmets obscure their faces, but they see you and they point and they start running at you, and um, it's pretty obvious to tell what their intent is. Selkie herself flicks her wrist from a little hidden compartment inside of her, her sleeve comes out a knife. 
and she gets ready for a fight, but she's looking back at y'all to see if you have sufficiently armed yourself with, with something. And she's like, do y'all, do y'all know how to fight, or are you kind of the more run and hope for the best type? So we have all of our hack the planet stuff, right? Yes, you are officially within the universe. What are y'all looking at to solve this? You have guards in your way. You need to get past them or avoid them. And we are officially within the realm of starting making some potential roles or even just having some good ideas. Zen grins that big toothy lizard grin at Selkie and it's just like, oh, I am always ready for a fight. Yeah, I like to imagine that as soon as Selkie had asked that, Rill just automatically responds with, uh, I'll get the left guy and just like disappears <laughs> if I can make a roll for that. Okay. Well, it sounds like Rail is going ahead and try and make the first move. So what are you trying to do here? I want to ghost. I want to disappear. I have the custom flicker wear, which like I can use to make me turn invisible for a minute. And I just want to like turn invisible and I want to like run behind one of these guys. The guns are holstered, right? So far, yes. Okay. I want to grab the gun and I, d- I want to shoot them. <laughs> so you want to grab the gun out of it and then just go ahead and, and take them out? We can go ahead and look at that. So you want to go ahead and use Ghost then? Yes. Okay. That still sounds like a risky move to me. They're prepared for a fight. They see you disappear. They're kind of expecting stuff. The fact that you're invisible turns it from desperate to risky at all. But I will say, if you do manage to pull this off, this is going to be a pretty large effect. You're definitely going to go ahead and take this guy out if you can do that and maybe get the drop on the other ones. So go ahead and let's see. I don't think you get any specific bonus dice from this. Flickerware says I it's a potency the ghost. I don't know if that's just flavor text or if that's actual game text. Potency is a specific thing that happens whenever you're determining the effect. I see. Okay. Okay, so my ghost is three, so I roll three dice. You roll three d6, unless you want to push yourself, unless someone wants to help you. But otherwise, roll three dice six. <laughs> I got two sixes and a two. You have <laughs> a, well, the, the highest one wins, and you, in fact, have a critical. So six means you get what you want. So, yeah, you, you turn on your flick aware, and you, you vanish from sight into the air, sprint across the floor, get behind the guy, pull the gun out from behind him, and you just, I mean, you, you take a shot, you're shooting to kill. I'm probably not shooting the kill, but I am just like shooting him like right in the back. Just like not his head cuz I don't I don't think Rail has that killer instinct like Baffy, I've got news for you. <laughs> yeah, but yes, That's they gonna they kill someone. Yeah. Well, you know, he might live. You're going you're going to non-lethally range damage him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. I'm going to do some non-lethal rain damage. Okay. No, but yeah, yeah. They they would It's a body shot. I'll say that. So, what happens is in between the fact that Zen is there, does Zen have a large sword? I assume Zen has a large sword. Zen has a large sword. Uh, so between <laughs> Zen's large sword and seeing Selkie there in a, in a fighting stance ready to go, they actually kind of lose track of you as you vanish. So when the gunshots show up, you reappear in sight. You, you flicker back into indivisible, indivisible light. The guard that you shot keels over just... Uh, they're critically injured, dead, or bleeding out. And you create an opening for the others to go, and you can go ahead and increase their position that you've got going on. So, nice. Zen, you find yourself with a couple of absolutely surprised guards. Rill vanishes next to Zen and reappears and takes this guy out. And Zen thinks this is probably the coolest thing Rill has ever done. <laughs> 
Zen's uh, understanding of this is that Rel has just teleported behind this guy. Nothing personnel. <laughs> Nothing personnel okay. <laughs> but so this gets her blood pumping. She gives Rel like a big thumbs up and then has both hands on her sword then and rushes for the next guy. I would like to roll combat to slice him in half, roughly. You are trying to absolutely, absolutely rough them up. So I'm going to let you pick. Because Rill gave you an opening, you can either take a controlled position or you can take a higher effect. Yeah, I'm going to act from a controlled position. Okay, cool. So you are acting on your terms. You are exploiting the advantage that you get. What this means is that should should you not get a, a great result like a six, the results will not be as bad. Okay, so I am going to roll combat, and I have two dice for that. Cool. I rolled a four and a five. Okay, uh, so since you've acted from a controlled position, that means that the uh, any kind of consequence that you get is not necessarily as bad as it would have been. So you take your sword, and you, you charge in, and you just bring it to bear up against this guy. And rather than ending up doing sort of the cutting-through effect that you had hoped for, the sword clashes up against his armor and he's still cut deep but you don't manage to take him out as much as you were hoping for instead this the sword comes into him and meets him and he staggers back and there's a splash of blood on the white floor uh, as your your sword cuts into his side you're in a pretty decent position now and he doesn't get the chance to retaliate linda is there anything in particular that you want to do now yeah, so Linda does have um, does have like a like a little gun with her, um, but it looks like honestly a lot of the fighting is under control. As in, she doesn't want to like throw herself into the fray and confuse everyone, and, and so she is instead going to use her control. So she is going to um, take out this gun and twirl it around her finger, badass style, and say, "Well, fellas, there's more where that came from. I don't know about you, but um, this doesn't really seem worth it to me." And uh, yeah, she's going to roll for control and see if that convinces them to like turn around and run away so they can just get the hell out of Dodge. It's like evil, sexy Linda without the evil. Yeah, <laughs> she's uh, she's going to maybe channel a little bit of that energy. But if you told her that, she'd be like, oh, no, no way. <laughs> um, OK, so I have one control dot. So I roll one die, correct? Yes. So I'm going to say that you're operating from a risky position. You have a gun and you're all clearly armed, but this is still their day job. But I will say that if you succeed, you are going to have a great effect on what's going on. Can I take a stress to help Linda? Yes, you can definitely go ahead and uh, assist. Yeah, I just uh, point the gun that I had just used to probably kill his buddy at this guy and nod my head towards Linda and be like, it's probably best if you listen to her or you have two guns trained on you and a lizard with a really big sword. No, that makes sense. Okay, Linda, uh, go ahead and add a bonus die from right. Real helping you out, and then go ahead and roll for me. I got a six and a four. You got a six. That's what you need. The the one uninjured guard that was left and was reaching for his pistol takes stock of the situation and sort of raises his hands in, in surrender. He's not actually sure what he's allowed to do next. So you've you've got them where you want them now. Uh, the the injured one is is on the floor, still kind of bleeding. As he is so, you hear his his armor sort of start beeping quietly, um, and the bleeding slowly starts to slow. It seems it might be doing some medical assistance there. But the other guard, the one that's still standing, has his hands raised. But you can feel, Linda, you can feel him staring daggers at you through his helmet. So he's got his hands up? Yes. All right. Zen is gonna, like, advance on him and sort of frisk him down. She's looking for, like, 
keys, key cards, something that will get them through this place without further difficulty. As you're frisking him down, you can, you can kind of faintly hear what's coming through his headset, and it sounds like there's a good amount of chatter. In particular, you you hear, you know, whoever dispatch or whatever the guard is referring that there seems to be an incident going on on level 46, and it's not too much of a stretch to glance over at the wall where the sign says level 46 in nice bright letters. You are on something of a time crunch here, and the more time you spend with these guys, the less time you might have to make your escape. So what you do find, you find the the sort of electrified baton that you get. You find a one of the, the 3D printable disposable plastic guns, although in this case it's a little bit higher quality than you would normally get from these these printed models. And aside from that, you do find a security keycard that attached to him, along with a pair of uh, restraining cuffs. I want to cuff the guy who's still conscious. That's easy enough to do. He seems reluctant to do it. He fights you trying to pull his arms down. Uh, bro, I can fucking pop bullet right through your skull. It's either this or that. He seems less inclined to believe you, but given that you did just in fact shoot his friend, he goes ahead and lowers his arms and lets you go ahead and cuff him up. Thank you. Also, I'm really sorry about your friend. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's dangerous. He's not having a good time. He doesn't do anything after that. Uh, but you can tell that if this were a bit of a reverse situation, you would be in extremely bad shape. Zen um, finishes frisking this guy, gets the key card, doesn't recognize that it is anything important, and kind of just tosses it back over her shoulder. <laughs> Silky goes, oh, and she plucks it out of the air. She's like, oh, we can probably use this. So uh, I think at this point, Linda is going to be um, just like a little bit nervous about backup coming and is just going to say, I don't want to super rush anyone, but um, we probably should go ahead and move on before anyone else comes to check on these fellows. Yeah, I'm fine rushing. Let's rush. Soki goes ahead and and takes the lead and she starts guiding you down the the hallways once again. You get to an elevator bank and she kind of looks around and then pushes open a door to the side of them that leads up into a stairway and starts climbing upwards. Uh, I think Rail would go last because they will probably be the slowest and they don't want to slow anyone else down. So Yeah, Zen's not going to let Rail go last, though, because of that. <sighs> but then I have to go faster. Uh, fine. Yes, we want you to go fast. I'm trying. Uh, we've seen in previous arcs that Rail has actually been a very proficient climber. Yeah, in, <laughs> in those universes. <laughs> So Linda's going to scramble up after Rill. And you all start uh, ascending. Once you get a couple of floors up, you suddenly hear within your minds Hope going, Hello? Are you there now? Oh my god. Oh, this is the worst. Hope, are you are you okay? Oh, there you are. What what happened? You you were traveling and then I just, I didn't hear anything. Where, where are you? What happened? Uh, evil people put us in jail. Hope, I think we got kidnapped. Yeah, we got kidnapped. Got we figured it kidnapped? out. Kidnapped? Where are you? Do you know what, what, what city? What continent? Anything? How about we get back to you when we have more information? We're kind of in the middle of a uh, daring Jailbreak. Escape. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yes, go ahead and, and do that. We'll call you back when we're done busting out. Right, okay. Yeah. Good luck. She ends her side of the conversation, but, you know, she's still there in case you need to ask her things. As you are ascending a number of floors... Rather than rather than the, the numbers going up, which is what you expect, they actually started going down. It's like you may have been in something of an underground containment area. God, that's some evil villain shit. <laughs> Who even has underground labs with good intentions? Whenever you get up to uh, level 20, so after climbing for a good number of floors, 
Selkie goes ahead and, and guides through one of the side rooms and sort of peeks around, and then you guys are in what appears to be some kind of a, a loading bay or a garage. She she goes ahead and, and darts in and, and weighs you all through before closing the door behind you. She goes, okay, so now for the next part of our daring escape, does anyone know how to drive? Uh, Rill looks at Linda. <laughs> a car? Not, well, technically, yes, a car, but a uh, motorbike or bike, bike, two wheels, two wheels. Oh, like a, like a cool motorcycle? Yes. Is that what they call them where you're from? Motorcycles? They do call them motorcycles. No, I don't know how to drive one. Okay. <laughs> Linda's like, oh, like a motorcycle? <laughs> nope. <laughs> because here's the thing. I have two of those and they only fit two people each. So okay, uh, wait, wait. Is there like a GPS or something? Like, is there like an autom- automated thing, like system or something? It's that kind of world, right? Oh, like an autopilot system? Yeah. Uh, yes, but for the kind of chase that you're about to experience, you may want to do manual control. Uh, but there is something to sort of get you just from place to place. Yes. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'll figure something out. I don't know which one of these would be more fitting, but Rail does have something called fine hacking gear as one of their items, but. They also have machined plasma, which is one of the abilities, one of the effects is establish a link to technology within a few feet from you. So I don't know which one you think would be more fitting. Well, what are you trying to do? I guess kind of like finagle into the bike settings to be like, okay, I want the GPS to like get me started, but I can hit like the gas, like you know, kind of thing. Rill is activating the training wheels. Yes. Uh, yeah, you won't you won't need to like hack into it or anything like that. You can just you can just do that. Oh, I can just do that. Okay, cool. Then yeah, yeah I'll I just mean, do you, that. So, yeah. so what happens is uh, she guides you over to a corner as you guys are surrounded by what look like you know company vehicles, you know, like jeeps and, and other motorbikes. And what she does is she heads over to two of them um, and jams some kind of a, a strange key into the ignition and it starts up immediately takes us and she takes a seat on one of them and whoever takes a seat on the other one she will toss another one of those keys to zen looks at the motorbike and is like you know what how hard could this be and tries to get in the driver's seat i, I imagine like real catches the key that selkie threw to them and they're just like yeah no you can have this <laughs> just like holds it out to zen <laughs> Is this the first time Zen's driving? Oh, yes. I'm so glad I get to experience this moment with you. <laughs> Linda is going to look nervously and decide to sit on Selkie's bike because uh, she sees what is the equivalent to a teenager teaching another teenager how to drive. Yeah, Linda's leaving them to die. <laughs> Linda's not leaving them to die. She just feels like, um, A, she's a little scared, and B, if they need help, then then probably someone should be on the other bike to help them. Okay, so Zen gets on the bike, and uh, Selkie shows Zen how to sort of jam the key in and, and activate the bike. Uh, the bike roars to life. Uh, the, the bike itself is definitely not as like stylishly sleek as a Tron bike, but nor is it kind of as, as rough gasoline-looking as ours. It definitely looks... It's not like a Harley. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's definitely a little bit sleeker. There's a component under the engine that glows brighter the, the more you quote-unquote rev the engine. But aside from that, it's, it's definitely sleeker. Whenever Linda climbs onto the bike behind her, Selkie looks back at her and says, feel free to hold on as tight as you'd like, and then gives Linda a nice wink and then revs the engine and roars the bike off in the distance. Um, As the engine starts up, Zen gasps. This is the most beautiful sound she has ever heard. (laughs) And she watches Selkie, like, rev the engine and go, and just, like, 
slams her foot on the pedal. Uh, you surge the bike forward unexpectedly quickly, but Zen's strong enough to hold on, I know. And Will can go ahead and, and help manage the computer systems for the bike. They're definitely holding tails. Rill is just like, I don't want to die. Their tails wrapped up around Zen's like so tightly, just like. Rill, so for this, uh, you can turn on the GPS while Zen kind of gets the hang of things, but you guys are, are screaming upwards. Literally screaming. <laughs> Selkie guides you two up and out of the garage. You eventually get into what seems like something of a freight elevator. She goes ahead and, and turns it on with the security card pass. And so now you've got kind of a, a moment of quiet uh, as the elevator ascends, carrying the two bikes. And she goes, so what are all your names then? Uh, as, as noted, I'm, I'm Selkie. Nice to meet all of you. It's been very interesting so far. Oh, hi, I'm Linda. And yes, interesting is what we do. What about you two? You look like you're from Voltekin. Are you from Voltekin? And she says this to Zen. I don't know what that means, so probably not. Hi, I'm Zen. Hi, Zen. Hi. Selkie. I'm... I'm real, like, committed a murder today. That's okay. It was self-defense, Real. We've talked about this. It I know, happens, but I still real. feel bad. One last problem for us, for those guys. And then she kind of laughs about it, which actually strikes you as, potentially strikes you as, as somewhat distressing. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Zen thinks it's funny. And then she goes, <laughs> okay, well, great. Nice to meet you, uh, Real, Zen, and Linda. I have a feeling that this is going to be a little bit more difficult than I was hoping it would be. So hold on tight. And the moment those doors open, you're going to want to rev that gas pedal and probably not take your foot off of it. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Uh, Oh, my God. There's another moment as the elevator climbs up and then with a a loud sort of buzzing noise. A a buzzing noise. Oh, yeah. And then the doors start to open. And it seems that Selkie was kind of right whenever she mentioned that there might be some resistance. The door lifts up, and you find yourself staring down the business end of about 10 to 15 soldiers with rifles aiming at you, along with uh, a couple of them on bikes, and one of them even in a jeep with a little mounted gun on the top of it. And Selkie just kind of takes this all in and then looks over at Yaw and goes, any ideas? Well, Zen is following directions. As soon as those doors open, she slams her foot down on the pedal. We're gonna go through them. Selkie goes, okay, well, uh, everybody close your eyes. Uh, And then she pulls something out of her pack and throws it into the crowd of people. There is a bright, blindingly white flash as what looks like a miniature sun seems to be spawned right in the middle of the group. And you can see all the guards, even behind their their helmeted visors, recoil. And that gives you two enough of an opening to gun the engines, rev past them, and take on down the street. So as you burst out of the garage and you start getting a better stake of your surroundings, you start to figure out exactly where you are. You are on what looks like functionally almost like a college campus. There's a lot of green around, some, some grass, some trees, a lot of, a lot of decorations. Um, but the thing that immediately catches your eye, a little bit off to your right, and standing impossibly taller than everything else here is a massive skyscraper that looks like, from your view, it touches the very heavens and pierces through the clouds themselves. Emblazoned on the side of it are the words Tanavastra Arcanum Supply, complete with the company logo, which itself looks to be a like a claw of some kind, like a lizard claw, with some, some text in a language that you don't understand. 
there is a flurry of activity as all the soldiers start to get their bearings and 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 try and start to give chase and, and give pursuit and you can hear all the engines starting up behind you and even a couple of things of gunfire bullets smack onto the the concrete and the pavement and and ricochet off uh creating quite the soundscape as you all start to make your thrilling and breathless escape as you drive the bikes down the entrance to whatever the hell building you were in and down past the giant skyscraper that gets there, you start to get a better sense of exactly where you are and what you're going for. You are functionally in the middle of a absolutely massive, extending out past the, the reaches of your eyes, city. You are currently in what looks like the highest and most populated section of it. You sort of come up over the curve of a hill and you can start looking out below you. You also get a sense of exactly what time of day it is. It is currently nighttime. The city below you is shining like hundreds of thousands of glittering jewels in the stand and stars. Lights are moving all over the place as other other vehicles, both flying and on the ground, go from place to place. And for, for those of you who have never seen this sort of massive metropolis before it might come as something of a shock for the rest of you you've seen big cities before you haven't seen anything like this this is so fucking cool towers reaching up none of them as high as the center one but you've got towers and skyscrapers all over the place reaching up you've got giant elaborate mansions that themselves can fill something like entire sized city blocks You've got other buildings that you're not sure exactly what purpose they serve, but they seem almost nefarious in their construction and intention. Looking out over this, you suddenly feel very, very small. And then the revving of the engine fills your ears, and a bullet hits the ground next to you, and you are finally brought back to the present. You have one goal, and it is to escape the Tanavastra security forces. As you start trying to, to leave the town of Astro Campus, uh, Selkie goes ahead and guides you out to the gate. As it is, most of the security forces were hoping to contain you there, so the other security forces that you found have all just been token efforts to try and, and keep you from getting away, and you've been pretty lucky so far. But you, you bust out of the town of Astro Campus, out from, from underside the giant, massive gate that sort of keeps it in and everyone else out, and you find yourselves in the city streets of what appears to be a relatively wealthy district. Things here look pretty clean, the streets themselves are, are well kept, the houses are large. Looking as you are, you are dramatically and drastically out of place and out of your element, all dressed like a couple of people that managed to find some tech-looking clothes, slapped them together, and then smeared grease and dirt on them. But for the time being... <laughs> You've got some pursuers hot on your tail, and we're going to switch now to a little bit more of an action-oriented thing as you start navigating the dense city streets here in the, the garden district of the city that you're in. So, glancing behind you, you've got Selkie and Linda on one bike, and then you've got Zen and Will on another. These security forces are in hot pursuit, and as you're looking, they are gaining. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and set up two clocks that we got going on here. The first one of them is your escape. Second one is if the security forces manage to catch you. Exactly what's going to happen for that, I can't say, but it's probably not going to be particularly fun. So, things are set up. You've got security forces on your tail, and they are starting to gain on you. What are you guys going to do? So, Zen is driving for the first time, and, you know, she hasn't killed herself or anyone else yet, which is surprisingly good. But as we race through the city streets... I would like to roll control to basically figure out this bike and sort of get a better sense of how to best use it in order to escape. 
yeah, honestly, that that makes sense. I can't think of another one that would better fit that, especially if you're just trying to figure out exactly how this machine works. So what are you trying to specifically do with it? You just want to get a better handle on the bike? Yeah, I'm less concerned about figuring out how it works and more concerned about just figuring out how to use it and, you know, keep myself and drill upright and going forward instead of crashing into any walls. Uh, yes, you've definitely come on a couple of, of narrow parts for that. So far, the bike's automatic driving system has been doing its best to do that, but if you're going to have to do any more maneuvering, you're definitely going to have to take manual control. So, let's see. This is probably just a regular risky position, standard effects. Do you want to add any bonus dice or, or anything similar? Let me go ahead and push myself, because this is a very new experience for Zen. Doing this is going to help establish your position on further rolls that you have to make. The better you do on this, the more of a handle that you have on the bike, the better you're going to have to do in case you have to take any particularly strange maneuvers. So go ahead and roll control for me. Okay, I got a five. Okay, that means you get what you want, but there's a minor complication. So you're sort of pressed for time, but you spend a couple of minutes sort of orienting yourself with the physics of this bike, exactly how it works, what some of the buttons do. But as I'm sure you quite know, it's going to be difficult to learn how to ride a bike under fire while you're trying to do some kind of a chase after having never piloted something like it before. What this means is that for positions going forward, you're going to have a little bit more of a time trying to operate, especially on performing any particularly dangerous maneuvers. Things are just going to be a little bit harder for you moving forward than they would be if you had succeeded fully. Yeah, so I think Zen is, you know, managing, but she's figured out now that, like, yes, this was fun, but it would probably be more fun if her life was not on the line. And I think it's just taking up a lot more, like, mental energy than uh, she expected it to. She is very, like, single-mindedly focused on controlling this bike. So as it is, your pursuers are starting to gain on you. Unless you want to get captured, you're going to go ahead and have to start trying to throw them off. I don't think I would be able to attack and drive at the same time with how difficult this is proving for me. So, um, Rill and Linda, this is going to be on (laughs) y'all. Okay, so I have a proposal, and Ember, feel free to use some GM powers over this because it has to do with wreck, so I think it works. So what I am thinking is that Linda will use her gun with the goal being to make as much chaos as possible for them to stop pursuing. So Linda wants to shoot the tire on the front motorbike with the goal of causing a big explosive blowout or throwing the motorbike up in the air or something like that in order to create basically like an accident or a a pile up so that some of these security forces are slowed or disabled. I can say you're definitely not going to get all of them. Your approach is definitely going to be risky no matter what, Mm -hmm. but this really is changing your effect. So if you're trying to, if you're trying to get one of them to sort of go into the others, that's, as you noted, it's definitely going to be a harder, a harder shot to make. Okay. So I want Linda to push herself with the goal of making a larger effect and use wreck to shoot one of the wheels of the motorbike that's, you know, the closest to her. Okay. With the goal of taking out one or multiple... (laughs) Hopefully multiple. I didn't think pushing yourself would let you raise the effect level, unless that's somewhere in one of the rules that I just may have, have missed. Uh, I just thought it would no, let you. So, so I guess what it is is that she's trying to take out more than one. Okay. So that that's that's the wreck, and it's the larger effect. But 
I'm going to go ahead and still have her push herself because it's a hard shot to make regardless. It is indeed. That's very true. Okay, so we're going to go ahead so we can establish the position here as risky. If you're trying to take out multiple, I think your effect might be limited. Okay. But if you're trying to take out just the one, your effect is definitely going to be standard. Okay. Now, granted, if you succeed, you might end up getting completely what you want. But basically what you're looking for is you're you're trying to do a more difficult shot for a, a more widespread effect, if that makes sense. So Linda's going to go ahead and turn to Selkie and say, keep it steady. I'm going to take a shot. And uh, let's go ahead and see how she does. Oh, I rolled a three and a four. <laughs> could I try to help? I could I put uh, a sh- not after it's rolled. Damn it! <laughs> well, you got you got a four. The three is your is your failure point. The four means you succeed partially, but there might be some some issues going on. Okay, you take your shot and you clip the front wheel of the initial bike. That sends the, the bike spiraling. The front tire basically collapses on itself. The metal part of the bike hits the pavement and it flips over onto its front and starts spinning. Now, what that does do is that does knock over two or three of the other bikes that are chasing you, sending them either disabled. Um, it doesn't look like their riders might be too hurt, but given how fast you were going, and eh, nobody's quite sure. However, as the guy is falling, he was taking aim with his rifle that he was holding in one hand as he was driving, and that spray of bullets, because... You asked Selkie to hold steady. That spray of bullets comes right up on, and it, it traces over your bike. And you, Linda, as you're looking back, you see it catches on one of the pipes, and a fluid starts leaking out. You don't know what it is or what that does, but uh, you know enough about cars and vehicles to know that stuff that is inside of the car should not be on the outside of the car. Selkie, is that windshield fluid or something, maybe, perhaps? Oh, I don't know what that is, but it's definitely not good. Don't worry about it. You might want to worry about that. <laughs> okay, how close are they to me? Well, unless you two have made deliberate efforts to split up, even accounting for Zen's learning how to drive thing, you're probably pretty close to them. If, if you wanted to get closer to, like, hot bikes, you could or something. Yeah, somewhere. well, so I wanted to see if there's anything I could do, like, where I could, like you know, quote-unquote, hack into the bike just to, like, check its systems and maybe, I don't know if there's any kind of, like, system implemented to, like, mitigate this kind of damage or at least find out what it is so that I can fix it. (laughs) I mean, it's easy enough to run, like, a a system diagnostic on this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Fixing it... It's probably hard to fix a bike on the fly. Even if it had some kind of an automatic repair system that's happening while there, you may have to wait for it to stop running because trying to repair these things in motion can be difficult. Not to mention, you're getting shot at by a lot of people. Yeah. It's very likely there's going to be more holes. That's fair. All right, then. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I guess I would also just turn around and try to take a shot at them. Probably, I'm going to take a body shot at one of the drivers, I think. But I don't okay. know if I have a role for that, honestly. <laughs> Well, what are you trying to do? I just want to incapacitate one of the drivers, basically. Okay. You're trying to knock out a specific driver, in this case, one of the guys that's coming after you? Yes. Uh, Yeah, you can definitely do that. That'll just be a regular risky standard approach. I don't know what dice I would roll for that. (laughs) Survey? Finesse? (laughs) No, finesse is, is like manipulation or subtle misdirection. See, this is one of those interesting cases where because they don't have like a specific one. Can I survey? To to do that. Where it's use, observe the situation and anticipate outcomes? Uh, is it just not combat because they're far away? Actually, I think this one is, this was probably Trace. 
It's trace. Tracing is where you're hunting a target specifically. You're trying to predict movements and corner them. You're trying to unleash a trap, or you're usually tracing when you take a range shot. Okay, so that's something I have no points in. So if I pushed myself and I take two stress... Would I then roll 3d6, or would I just roll 1d6 and not have a disadvantage? If you have zero dice for a given roll, because what happens is you convert your dots into dice. If you have zero dice, then you're rolling 2d6 and taking the lower. Right. Once you have a die, you no longer have zero dice. Then it's just a regular action roll. Okay, so if I push myself, then it would just be a 1d6. If you push yourself, it would just be a 1d6, or if you want to propose a ripple, we can do that. I would like to assist Rill. Okay, how? I have my foresight ability two times per score. You can assist a teammate without paying stress, um, and I I just have to to tell you the story about it. What I am going to say is that, so you're trying to take a body shot. Yeah, just that the driver, just to like incapacitate them or like knock them off or something like that. So... You know, she's going to take her gun and she's going to fire up into the air to um, hopefully distract the driver. She's just going to do something weird to distract the driver. And the most distracting thing she can think of is just taking a random shot up into the air. Okay, so you're essentially trying to grab the attention while Real is busy lining up a shot. Exactly, so that so that they'll be paying attention to me and not be doing a serpentine or anything like that. Sure. Can Ro receive assistance from more than one person? Only one character may assist a given role, so unfortunately no. So can I use an assist but also push myself, or can I not stack that? You can do both. Okay, cool. You can push yourself and get assisted. Okay, then yeah, I will accept Linda's help, and I will also still push myself. Or I could guess. I guess I could accept a ripple. You could accept a ripple. What is a ripple? That I was thinking Linda fires the shot up and the bullet lands straight through skull- <laughs> real skull. <laughs> no. Okay, tell you what. Uh, I've, I've got one for you yeah. here. So I've got, I've got these two clocks that determine whether you guys are getting escaping or meeting up with some other potential thing. Um, if you want, I can add another tick onto the not escape clock as a patrol that just happened to be in the area can join the fight and head you guys off, which means that you're going to have to take an alternate route down through these city streets, which in this case is not a route that Selkie is that familiar with. In return, that's going to cause some potential problems, especially because you're functionally doing like, you know that scene from the Blues Brothers where they drive inside of a shopping mall? Yes. The risk for collateral damage is going to be much higher if you take this route, but you'll get your free die. But that's not, like, guaranteed, right? That's only if we, or if I fail and accelerate the... No, it happens whether you succeed or not. Yes. If you accept the, oh. if you accept the ripple, you get the die, but the effect happens whether or not you fail. What do you guys think? Should I take it? I think I'd give this one a pass, personally. Okay. Yeah, I think that's too risky, whereas if you push yourself and miss the shot, you've taken stress, but it's unlikely that we're going to have to do a lot of collateral damage. Yeah, then I'll take, I'll take the two stress. How many stress have you taken so far? I'm I just have three stress. Okay. So I I roll one die from Linda and one die for my stress, right? One die from pushing yourself, one die from the assistance, and one die for the action rating dots, which in this case is zero. Yes. So you should be at two. Okay, two d six. All right, let's go. All right, line it up. Make hope proud. Uh, a f- one and a four. <laughs> okay. Well, the four is there, so that's your partial success. Okay. So. 
You go ahead and, and squeeze off a couple of shots. You see the, the guy that you were aiming for sort of slump over of his console, um, and his bike falls off to the side, and then, you know, eventually just kind of crashes, and he goes rolling onto the, to the pavement. Oh, shit, Hope, did you see that? I don't remember my world having guns, so this oh. is this is something of a different situation. So I, I'm trying to I'm, I'm I'm trying to come to terms with all of this. Um, but that was that was that was good, kind of murderous of you. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of that today. Yeah, if if it works. Uh. Um, <laughs> so, however, once you take these shots, one of the other guys that's pulling up alongside of him sees that you did this sort of thing, uh, and is shall we say, none too particular pleased. So he is going to unleash a small hail of gunfire on your position. So what happens is, uh, you guys are, are wearing, you know, you're all wearing some kind of armored material. Um, one of the bullets comes up uh, and, and smacks you in your chest. Um, oh, shit. Your armor manages to deflect the shot, but you take minor harm as you are winded. Okay. Because getting shot with bulletproof armor is, uh... Yeah, it still hurts. <laughs> you still got hit by a bullet. That shit has force. Ha! Joke's on you, idiots. I'm always winded. <laughs> yeah, whenever you get harm, you get the specific injury. Lesser harm goes in the bottom row. You get the penalty indicated at the end of the row if any or all harm recorded applies to the situation at hand. So if for whatever reason you need to do something where you basically having the wind knocked out of you would apply, you know, like in this case, sort of, you know, really some kind of heavy physical activity, right. then you would have less effect. Okay. But for the time being. And this is all stuff that would be resolved if we if if we did take a downtime, right? Yes, but I have accounted for some of those things because, you know, like I can't expect you guys to do this entire session uh, with just your regular stress boxes and, and what that. So I've, I've accounted for those things once you guys get to some the, the quote unquote downtime. Okay, phase. cool. So we will we will definitely go over that. But as it is, as you do that and you guys start you, you start basically taking down all the pursuers that are getting closer to you uh, and the security forces notice this and actually start to back off a little bit because you are very clearly armed and dangerous and they are coming at this from not exactly the best angle. However, Selkie's bike is still leaking some kind of mystery fluid so that, that will definitely not come up again as anything potentially bad to happen. But what is happening is, as you're you're driving through the streets, a new noise joins the already existing cacophony. And looking up, you see that they have summoned... Well, it's not quite unfair to call it a gunship, but they're starting to bring in something larger and heavier. As it is, the current neighborhood that you guys are in, you guys are out in the open, and that is not going to go particularly well for you if they start opening fire. Given how much they've been shooting before, even in this sort of wealthy neighborhood, doesn't seem like they're too inclined to hold their fire even in these residential areas. So, a new a new wrinkle has been added to your pursuers. What are you guys going to do? So Zen turns and shouts to Selkie, We need to get underground. Do you know where we can go? Selkie thinks for a minute. I hope it's a short minute. <laughs> It's a very short minute. She glances down at her console for a GPS reading of trying to figure out exactly where they are. And she goes, um, I have an idea. I, I can't say it's a great one, but it's an idea. I mean, any idea is good at this point. Better than no idea. Okay. So she goes ahead and as you guys are coming up at an intersection, she swerves off to the left. And uh, presumably Zen follows. Zen does follow. So she starts leading you 
down one of these city streets and you start, you, you move pretty quickly out of the residential area. Actually, you're starting to get into more of a commercial area. She turns another corner that looks to, leads to what looks like maybe a dead end alley, but it starts descending the, the, the area itself. The ground itself is tilted lower and lower. And it looks like she is heading into some kind of sewer or water transport system here in between the city streets. Naturally, these things are blocked by some bars, but she goes ahead and, and reaches into her pack and pulls out something else uh, and manages to detonate the front of it, sending you guys down into this sewer tunnel. As it is, that does do the work of eliminating the gunship from potential danger, but uh, many of the police that are still on the bikes follow you, and now you guys are in a cramped, confined space. Zen, I hope your driving skills have improved dramatically. <laughs> so you race into this place, and the water actually doesn't smell that bad. It seems like you may have gotten it after it's been clean, or at least isn't too particularly bad, but you head down into this sewer section and find yourself in these cramped, tight tunnels. Um, going next to each other is difficult, and as it is, these tunnels, these curves are all going to be extremely tight corridors. But let's go ahead and see how you all navigate them as you try and, and close these guys out. So, you are currently being pursued by more of the security personnel. You're in these sewer tunnels. What are you going to do to try and get them off your back? So it's too narrow for us to go side by side. You can, but you don't have a whole lot of room to maneuver in that case. Okay. Which means, I assume it's also hard for the other people to go side by side. The enemies. Also correct. So I think, like, once we turn one of these sharp corners, Zen will basically push Rill off of the bike. What? And also push or grab rail and jump off the bike and the goal is to like wreck the bike like right in the middle of this narrow tunnel to basically block the route my thinking is it's going to be hard for the our pursuers to navigate around it and if they follow us if they're forced to follow us on foot or even if they're only able to come at us one at a time i'm more confident in my ability to deal with them on the ground okay no, that, that definitely makes sense. So this is going to be a fun roll combination. This sounds desperate because you are doing something that could very easily seriously injure you or Rill. But the effect that you're having is definitely looking at a great effect because if you do manage to block it, as you noted, they're not going to be able to chase you down on the bikes anymore. You have some more maneuverability on foot and you might be able to blend in more in the city streets without, again, said bikes on you. So that's that's what I'm at. It's a desperate roll, but you're going to have a great effect if you manage to pull it off. And it sounds like Wreck is going to be the ideal skill for this. Okay. Is there anything I could do to help? Maybe if you shoot the bike while I'm wrecking it, it could explode. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, can I do that? Uh, if you want to shoot it, sure. You can use that skill, because that's actually probably just another... Is another oh, trace? Another application. Well, that's another. No, that's definitely not trace. Honestly, that's wreck because you are looking to cause extreme damage to something. Okay. Well, that's just your assistance, isn't it? Yes. Oh, right. Also fair. Yes, you can. You can help. Okay. Yeah, you can cool. go ahead and get that plus one. Yeah. Because my method of wrecking it is not like with my own hands so much as just like steering it into the wall and like bailing as we go around one of these tight corners. So mm -hmm. that means I get three dice now. Go ahead. All right, I got a six and two ones. Ooh. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, it's a good thing you got that six. It so sure is you... a desperate maneuver. <laughs> yeah. 
you're not really exactly sure even how to do this. Like you have the idea that obviously you can block the tunnel and if you use the bike somehow you can do that. But unlike those of us on Earth who have grown up watching a bunch of movies and kind of getting the basic idea, you're just like, ah, mm, well, let's just try and see how this works. I think her feeling is mostly that at this point she's more confident on foot and she's got to ditch the bike. That makes sense. So you turn the bike at a sharp angle and try and kind of lean down into it to, to get it to skid and scatter. And it hits the ground and does so. You grab Rill, push off as best as you can, and end up on the other side of it. Uh, Rill, as you're being pulled off, would Rill take the intentional shot? Or- uh, no, I mean, I think if, if Zen at least gave them a heads up, like if Zen was like, hey, we're wrecking the bike, then I think Rill could be quick enough on their feet to be like oh okay let me help with that <laughs> well we've already agreed that you're assisting me yeah that's so. true yeah um but zen zen will basically say like hold on we're bailing okay yeah so i think real would piece it together they'd be like okay i see what you're doing here and they would help wreck the bike to cause an explosion to impede the people behind us okay that makes sense Zen grabs you real and 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 pulls you off uh, and as you're you're going and landing you just start blind firing into the bike um, hoping to hit something one of your last shots manages to catch something there's a sparking noise and then this colossal within the tunnels explosion as you and Zen and Selki and Linda actually sort of feel the pressure change and then the noise just blasts out of it and it temporarily deafens you because I mean, you're you're activating such an explosion, such a confined space, and it's just going to echo all of around you. The fireball is not is not orange. Instead, it's kind of tinged with like blue and green, um, as whatever power source it uses just goes up in in flames and explosion. And the bikes coming in at, after you suddenly have to slow to a stop, and you hear crashing as they've started to hit your now created roadblock but you don't have a whole lot of time to sit there and take stock of what's happening because you can hear angry talking and the sounds of boots hitting the pavement it's time to get going yeah zen's just kind of grabbed rail by the arm and is like sprinting off okay that was fucking sick though what the fuck (laughs) zen is thriving in this cyberpunk universe (laughs) selkie kind of sees what you're doing and realizes that you're all going to be faster on foot anyway uh, so what, what she does is she skids the bike to a stop, kicks down the stand, reaches down, pulls out a couple of wires, so whatever it is, it's not going to be able to come after them, and then joins up with you as you all start beating feet down the sewers and trying to get out of reach of your opponents. That was, like, the coolest thing I've done in my entire life. <laughs> that was Just- pretty fucking cool. <laughs> okay, so you are down in the sewers. What's your plan once you're down here? Signal reception is not great. Navigating them might be tricky, but you're also pretty sure that whoever's chasing you is going to be lost as well. You can attempt to try and get some distance between you and your pursuers down here. You can try and find your way topside and manage it that way. What's the angle that you want to go with? Well, we have no idea where we're going. Yeah, Robot asked Selkie, like, uh, okay, so where are we trying to go? Because, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've got some hacker shit I can do to maybe help us navigate through this. Maybe. Um, but I, I gotta know where we're going. Or or we can ask our friend. Maybe maybe she can help us. Selkie goes, oh, uh, we are currently trying to get out to the band. What, what the fuck is the band? <laughs> Boy, if I had a couple minutes to explain things, this would go a lot better. Hmm, she starts looking around and she goes, okay, uh, let's, okay, follow me. 
uh, and she takes off running down the hallway. After a minute or two, and you guys have run down a couple more of the side tunnels, she goes ahead and manages to find a ladder in the wall. She climbs up it and gestures after you to follow. Whenever you all emerge, you find yourselves in a bit more of a dingier side of this neighborhood. Still looks kind of nice, but you basically find yourself in, in almost like an old town square. You know, obviously things are a little bit more rustically designed here, and the, the buildings tend towards more of an, an order style. From where you are, you are currently sort of in the interior of an alley. You can see people sort of out in the square milling about, and in, in some cases even standing and sort of looking in the direction of Tanavastra headquarters. Even here, once you just poke your head out into a more open area, you can still see the imposing tower, which is now a good chunk farther away than it used to be. And she goes, okay, take a minute, get our bearings, figure out where we are. Let's do this. Uh, so she's going to sit down inside of the alley and invite you all to sit down with her as she pulls out a sort of like a little little phone, basically the same thing that she used to show you the picture of Takomi. And she sets it down and it projects up a little holographic display. It's a 3D map of the city. Um, floating in a familiar script above the city are the words New Umbra. And the city itself is designed in two major sections. The first is the, the intersection, uh, which is itself sort of a big circle. You are currently there. You're about halfway between the direct center of the circle and the edge of that particular circle. Then there's a small gap, and then there is a larger outer ring. Selkie goes, okay, so while we're catching our breath, uh, let me get you up to speed in a few things. As noted, I'm Selkie. I work for the Freerunners. We are here trying to, well, get rid of that. Uh, and she, she points in the direction of the giant tower, which at this point is obscured by a wall. And then she goes, oh, right, it's right there. And then she goes ahead and points to it on the 3D map display. Uh, <laughs> and she says, we're trying to get rid of Tanavastra because they've done some really, well, I, you know how it is with big businesses. Evil. Yeah, I yes. mean, they fucking, like, kidnapped us. That was pretty fucked up. Yeah, not, yes. I have to admit, not a fan. No, we're not, uh, we're not particularly a fan of them either. We don't, we don't really like them a whole lot. So they're in the middle, that big building, that's Tanavastra headquarters. Their research and, and fabrication campus is that area around it. Uh, she sort of indicates by looping her finger around or showing a circle. This section here, this big middle section, is called the Jewel. This is where all the rich people live. This is where all the business people live. This is where everybody wants to get to. And then this section out here, and she indicates the larger outer ring, this is the band. This is where most of us live, and this is where most of us want to get out of. Tanavastra has been supplying power to the city for a while after the world started to die. So unfortunately, that means they kind of call all of the shots. And I don't want to tell you too much because we're still, you know, on the run and everything. Uh, and then you hear <laughs> from the sewer down below, you hear another distant boom. She goes, but we are trying to get to here. And she points to a section in the band. This is our headquarters. This is where we're trying to get to. This is where Takomi is. And this is where we know you'll be safe. So if we're trying to get there, um, you all don't look particularly dangerous. I might be able to call in a favor and see if we can get someone to transport us. But we are going to have to get past the wall. Uh, and she mean points. I don't look particularly dangerous? <laughs> well, you know, lots of people have swords. It's just kind of a thing. Wow. Um, well, and admittedly, we don't have a whole lot of people from Voltekin around here. You do kind of stick out a little bit. I don't know what that means. Oh, uh, that's that's the, the Lizard Folk Kingdom. Oh. Well, it used to be a kingdom. It's hmm. kind of more of a underground 
big room now. It's I'll explain later. A cave? Um, no, no, it's it's nicer than a cave. Oh, okay. Look, it, it's there's there's a lot that happened over the past about two centuries that you would need to be caught up on. Yeah, um, there generally and we'll is. Get to that. Uh, <laughs> oh, does this does this happen for you often? Uh, uh, what what's this? Pretty much all the time. Where you're just kind of plopped in and you don't know I'm things. I'm realizing now that our employers don't, uh, they're kind of stingier than the information than one might expect. Yeah, I actually, it's kind of nice that I happened to be in that building when I was, because um, as I understood, you were actually supposed to show up way not there. Yeah. Um, I was in the building getting getting something else, and, and then when when Takomi figured out that you did not, in fact, arrive where you were supposed to be, she sent me to go find you. So, hooray for that. Yeah, thank you for rescuing us, because, yeah, we would be stuck. We would have found a way out eventually. Yeah. I do believe in that. You all seem very capable. Well, thank you. You seem capable, too. Especially at blowing <laughs> things up. And I gotta say, I like that. I admire that. It's great. Yeah, you kind of give me those vibes. The uh, blowing things up is new, but I think a, a good addition. And she says, the main problem isn't going to be getting to the wall. It's getting over it. Uh, and she indicates the space in between the jewel and the, the band, the inner and the outer sections. This is kind of what they use to keep us out. And we found a couple of ways around that. But after this, chances are there's going to be a bit of a higher security. So there's a couple of things we can do. We can literally just try and sneak over it, which is possible. We can try and get through a checkpoint, which is also possible. Or we can start heading down into the very guts of the city itself and seeing if we can sneak through that way, which is also possible. But I promise you, we're not going to be the only ones down there. So I don't really know y'all as well as I would like to yet. How do you normally operate with these things? Do you do you try and talk your way out of them? Do you try and blow things up your way out of them do you try and, and sneak through what's your what's your angle uh i think you know we're in a city i think it might be best if we kind of sneak through and then real looks at zen you know just because we have blown things up and i imagine if we broke out of this big corporate science lab jail thing we probably got a lot of eyes on us at the moment. I don't know if we can get like a outfit change or something just to, you know, lay low for a bit and kind of wait for it to die down uh, until we can help you guys with, I guess, what you're doing. I don't entirely know yet. Uh, we still don't know why we're here. Yeah. We just know we need to talk to your uh, your boss, Takomi. Yeah, she's she's pretty much a boss. Well, my boss. And a boss. A boss. I think we might be able to help you out with that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what do you guys think? I don't know this place. I don't really know where we are or understand anything that just happened there. Don't know what I did. It was real fun, but uh, very confusing. So I defer to your best judgment. I have to admit that normally I'd be in favor of of maybe trying to um, to just make it through a, a checkpoint and do the least illegal thing that we can, but I agree with you on this one, Rill. I think that we might have too much heat on us to try and do anything except for kind of stay in the shadows. Yeah, um, I think so too. So yeah, I guess, Selkie, unless you have a better suggestion or maybe more insightful one since you're from here, I guess help us blend in. Okay, I think I can do that. I think I can call in some favors. Hmm. And she starts thinking really carefully and sort of scrunching up her eyebrow and she goes, okay, wait 
here. We can do that. Okay. There's really nowhere else for us to go. Zen sits down against a wall somewhere. I'm not going anywhere, but I do need to talk to someone about this. Okay. Um, in the meantime, just, you know, stay out of sight. And she, she picks up her phone and starts uh, tapping away on it. In the meantime, you have a, a couple of minutes of silence and better to, to catch your breath, get your bearings. And uh, actually, Hope calls in at this point. She goes, hey, everyone, how's it? Um, do you have any sense of where you are? Are you okay? Uh, I, I heard some explosions. I got and... shot by a bullet and it hurts. <laughs> you got you got shot? Are you okay? Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess whatever we kind of beamed in with is like bulletproof, but f- fuck, that's going to oh, bruise. That's good. Yeah, that, that hurts. I rode a fast metal horse into a wall. Yeah, that was fucking awesome. It was very cool, yes. It was pretty cool. I went so fast. Well, that sounds like quite the time. There are some very cool motorcycles here. Um, some less cool scientists who did try to kidnap us, but uh, we are safe and sound with a friend of a friend uh, hanging out in an alley trying to figure out how to sneak around. So... I think we'll be okay. This is sneaking around is familiar territory. We can handle this. What did Selkie say this place was called? Do you guys knew something? Knew something. Umbrella? No, I, I know that's not it. Something like that. Umbra. Umbra. New Umbra. That uh, is was that, it. Do you, does that sound familiar to you, Hope? New Umbra doesn't sound familiar at all. Does old Umbra sound familiar at all? <laughs> no. no, we never had any place named Umbra. I mean, back when I lived there, and I, I've been to every single one of the cities on that on that planet, at least the major ones. Apparently the big bad guys here is this corporation called... Uh, details are falling out of my head. It's been kind of a crazy... I don't know how long we've been down here. Uh, I don't know if that sounds familiar. Terum? They, they did have some kind of logo of... um. Almost like a dragon claw, and that's what I can remember. And some some writing I couldn't read. Oh my god, Zen can't count or read. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was <laughs> a dragon claw. Yeah, sort of a sort of a I don't know a dragon claw, something like that. Dragons certainly had quite the significance back when I was there, but they also weren't broadly known. They it it's a long story. Okay, what year was it when you were last here? Maybe 263 AC. Okay, 263. I'm going to remember that. I'm remembering. I'm making a note. Mental note, 263. Yeah, uh, Selkie's like on the phone. Hey, do you think we should trust Selkie? I mean, she's been cool so far. Kind of tweaked something when she was like, you're lucky I was in the building. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And also, you know, like, I just don't trust it when people go off to, like, make phone calls in an alleyway, you know, like... I don't know what that has to do with anything I, or what it means. It's just but kind I of trust like you. no, well, you know, like a phone. Fo- okay, like a phone. So a phone is something. It's like sending a letter, but immediately and instantly, and then you can like. Oh, so like telepathy. Y- yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's like telepathy, but it's it's instead of through your own brain, it's through this device. Okay, so you talk and someone far away hears you. Yeah, yes. and they have their own device. Yeah. Uh, so it's telepathy with extra steps. Yes. Basically, yes. Um, so that's what it is. She, so she she went off to do telepathy to have a phone call with someone else. And that's why it's kind of like, you know, we don't know who this person is. So I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm a little sussy, you know? Hmm. 
I understand what you're saying, and I have to admit it's a little odd she was right in the building right when we needed her, but she doesn't strike me as a very good liar, honestly. She, <laughs> I, I've known some good liars in my day, and she just doesn't give me that that vibe. Herself. <laughs> Linda's yeah. talking about herself. <laughs> <laughs> Linda has been uh, 32 years old for every birthday for the past at oh least 10 birthdays. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I suppose when she comes back, I could try to sort of feel out the situation and ask her some questions and and see, but I don't know. She's the best we have. I have to admit, I'm leaning towards sticking to her for at least right now. You're right, but I think I think if you can kind of probe her just a bit, you know, casually, like just you know, verbally disarm her, like like you're you're very good at it. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Zen interrupts here and puts a big lizard claw on either side of Linda's face and kind of like gets her face real close to Linda's. It's like, what's up with your eye? <laughs> what, what is up with my with my eye? I I I don't know. Oh yeah, you got like a cool like robot eye or some shit. I I do. Yeah, uh I don't have a mirror. Just, you know, it's all kind of got like a robot eye. It's like white and Got red in the middle. It looks it looks pretty fucking cool. You oh, look well. like a like a Terminator or something. Oh, I know that one. I I'm a fan. Well, I suppose yeah. I'm I'm less of a fan. Well, depends on what Terminator movie. But anyway, uh, yes, <laughs> that's Linda's secret fandom. Is she just loves <laughs> to, the Terminator series and has like watched the TV shows? <laughs> oh well, that's canon now. <laughs> it's Terminator and Garfield. <laughs> it's Star Trek. She does Star Trek. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> uh, Selkie comes back, having finished up her call, and she goes, "Okay, I got some arrangements made. We're gonna be just fine, so long as you be sneaky and don't get detected, and nobody shoots any guns." Okay, we can probably handle that. Yeah, real kind of like glances over to. Um linda because you know that's the part that real is sussy about so you know hoping okay. if they stick with their plan of trying to like probe her what linda is going to do at this point is pat a little spot on the ground next to her and say uh how about how about you come and uh and you know take a little rest while we uh while we wait for them to come pick us up i'd love to hear more about uh how you hooked up with takomi's group and what you started doing and maybe give us a little heads up as to uh what to expect Oh, yeah, sure. Hey, Selkie. What year is it? 683, I think? Oh. As Zen calls in, uh, Selkie's busy talking about how there's actually three different calendars at this point, uh, and most people just use the, the NU system for New Umbra year since New Umbra was formed, but uh, while, while she's talking about that, uh, you call in for, for Hope. Yes, what's up? 683. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a kind of that's a, not a good noise. That's a big that's a, gap. That's a long time. Hmm. <laughs> you know, don't worry about it, buddy. We'll we'll take care of it. Oh, I'm fi- I'm fine. You know, part of the the consequence of being a time and space traveler means that you get these things on occasion. Yeah, I guess this is the time part of that. Yeah, we can have some pancakes about it when we get back. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate that. But for the time being, uh, I, hang on, I have to follow up on one of these signals here. Uh, go ahead and, and, and get back to it. and Let me know whenever you're safe again. 
And Silky says to you, what other questions did you have aside from the year thing? I was hoping you would tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself and uh, what brought you and Takomi together. Oh, sure. Uh, well, I was born and raised here, down in the band. Not here, here, of course. I haven't. I wasn't born and raised here, otherwise I wouldn't be in the band. And I kind of fell in with a, with a gang, you know, whenever you're younger, to try and get some money and also not die. And then, actually, Takomi found me there. Whenever there was kind of a fight between, like, her freerunners and, and my gang, uh, which was the, the Ghost Angels. But Takomi sort of saw me in there and she was like what are you doing with these people and i'm like well i'm surviving and she was like well why don't you come work for me instead and i'm like can you pay me and she was like yeah and i was like all right cool i don't even like these guys anyway <laughs> so i went and i joined the free runners and they're a lot cooler because they don't shank people in the streets unless they're bad people that work for tanavastra of course so linda is like nodding her head very eagerly um looking very interested and um me, Ziva, is very amused by the fact that she tells this story about, like, that time she was, like, a brony. Like, she's talking about, like, <laughs> old, like she's talking about it like it's, like, an old fandom, and you're like, yeah, I kind of grew out of that. The fandom got really annoying. So. <laughs> I, I love her. I also love her. Yeah, she's she's very cute. And so he goes, uh, there were a couple of other less cool times in my life, but you know what? I don't really like to talk about those, because those memories suck, and if I think too much about them, my head hurts. So... Uh, wait, your head hurts? Yeah. Like, it's, it, it's the trauma. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, we know all about that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Lots well, of good. trauma. Oh, that's that's unfortunate. Not like a not like a your brain your mind was like wiped kind of headache. Right. I don't know what that feels like, but would I would I know what that feels like? No, I don't think you would. Oh, God, you're gonna give her a like. crisis. <laughs> Sorry, oh, I I do oh, this a oh, lot geez. to myself. Oh man. No, no, it's fine. Don't Whoa. worry about it. I if Whoa, I could wipe your okay. mind just now, I would uh, of that last five seconds. Okay. But then how would I know? You wouldn't. That's the beauty of. It. Okay, you know. Don't, sorry. Don't worry about. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll I'll shut the fuck up. I apologize. <laughs> So in the middle of all of this like back and forth chatting, I would like to propose that Linda is using her social skills. I would like to do a network role to kind of suss out if Selkie is truthful, if Selkie is hiding anything, if there's anything that's like pinging Linda's social radar is like, I need to dig deeper into this. So if she's pretty much just service level. Sure. So that would probably just be a standard risky position, although ultimately there's not as much of a risk here. And kind of a standard effect, you know, as noted. I'm, I know Linda's good at, at talking to people, uh, but it's just a matter of how much of a vibe. So you're kind of looking like, what kind of a vibe is Linda getting? Yeah, basically, yeah. So I have three in my network role. Let's go ahead and do this. I rolled a six, a five, and a two. Holy crap. Okay. Well, nice. the, six is, the six is what you're looking for. What you get just by talking to Selkie and, and asking her questions and kind of seeing how she responds is that she doesn't seem to be really hiding a whole lot from you. But there's a lot that doesn't seem to be coming to her mind as relevant. As you've noticed, she kind of tends to hop around from conversation to conversation and be sort of flighty about it. If it's a defense mechanism, it doesn't strike you as a very intentional one. It just seems like the kind of person that she is and the kind of person that she's adopted to being after living in this city for a while uh, and, and possibly even working for the Freerunners. What you do definitely get, just not accounting for, for talking to her, just by, by looking her over and the way that she moves, you do get the sense that she knows how to handle herself in a fight and she knows how to defend herself along with maybe do the more aggressive part of that. She seems flighty, but you can kind of see why she's working for 
Takomi as somebody who is doing what she's doing, if that makes sense. She's an adorable murderer. <laughs> that's that's what you get. Was that kind of what you were looking for? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. So Linda's going to give sort of a subtle glance or gesture to Rill and Zen to be like, yeah, she's okay. Like, I didn't get anything that was terribly suspicious. So she's going to give him like a little, maybe like a nod. We should keep going along. So she is our best bet and she's not giving me any vibes like, oh, she's probably going to bring us into a different alley and murder us there. So as you, as you're, you're honestly kind of still in the middle of your conversation, there's a small whirring noise from overhead. Uh, and from over one of the buildings comes a small package drone with a package attached to it, hanging down via a, a little rope supports. And Selkie looks up and goes, ah, that's it. Okay. This should definitely be enough to help us get home. Find these, put these on, and then it's going to be a fun next hour or two. So I would like you all to make a group roll for as you are trying to sneak down to the headquarters to figure out some... Essentially, if you raise any alarms, if anyone manages to get things like your picture, if you manage to lead anyone back to places you shouldn't, this is going to have an effect later on, but not right now. All right. For group actions, one person leads, every PC involved rolls, and the team counts the single best result. But for every PC that rolled a one to a three, the leader takes one stress. Okay. So what are we... Oh, it depends on us, like what our individual roles are? Yes. It can be, since since you have elected to take the stealth route, ghost would be the most likely action to use here. But if you have another proposition to put forth, I would be more than happy to hear you out. I think probably ghost is the best one. I think you could maybe argue it's finesse, but I think ghost is probably the one that matches up the best. Yeah, I mean, okay. my ghost is pretty good. <laughs> I don't have any points in ghost, but uh, I think that's, I, I'm probably going to push myself. I also don't have any points in ghost, but it does make the most sense. Yeah, this is to cover sort of the time that you spend getting to the place. As noted, if if you wanted to do finesse, which is not, which is certainly also applicable, you could use that and, and you know, we could say that that covers a certain portion of it where maybe you end up having to go through a checkpoint or or something similar, you know, and, and adapt the plan accordingly. Hence, obviously, I, I want you guys to decide what action you feel would be best used as a group to get to the, the safe house, the headquarters. Yeah, I'm fine with with doing ghost if everyone's cool with it yeah ghost makes the most sense yes who wants to lead the group action i probably shouldn't lead because i have three stress but i don't know how much stress you guys have actually i have two stress i also have two stress okay so i can go ahead and lead and i guess linda would justify this by being you know by saying that she's the one who's like like if they run into any trouble she's the one who can smooth it over so she's she's gonna go in the front it specifies that whoever is the leader doesn't even have to have any skill at it. This is about leadership, not necessarily specific ability. You use the best role that people okay. get. Yeah, okay. that makes sense then Lin- yeah. for Linda to do it. Yeah, yeah. So, so Linda will lead just in case they run into any trouble because she's the one who's who's the most comfortable like smoothing it over. She's negotiated many a weird office meeting before. Let's so. fucking go. I got two fives and a six, so no stress from me oh, for shit. Linda. Yeah, so six. So uh, I actually got a six and a four, so my lowest is a four. Okay, that's fine. I did the same thing. I rolled two. Uh, my lowest is a two. So that's a, that's one stress for Linda. Okay. Okay. So the, the trip through makes it astonishingly smooth, as a matter of fact. 
Selkie guides you from, from where to go. Rill, you, you don't necessarily need lead the group, but this is sort of in your wheelhouse, so you can manage to corral everybody else. And Linda manages to do the, the team coordination, and on the rare occasions when they do need to talk their way past something or someone, you do end up having to take a few back alleys and cut through some buildings. Uh, Linda manages to smooth over any any ruffled feathers. And I guess Zen also gets to contribute by punching somebody at some point. <laughs> Probably. I, didn't wanna, I don't want to leave Zen out. So, you manage to get through and over the giant wall, and you get yourself into the band. Selkie navigates you through some city streets and up and down a couple of places, and then you finally end up in a rather deserted, grimy, smelly city street. You have ended up in front of the Free Runner headquarters, which is itself in a dilapidated, run-down hotel. The... Neon signs, which are no longer lit, reads out the Leviathan. Looks cozy. It doesn't look like anyone has been here for quite a while, but Soki goes ahead and moves up to the front door, taps in a couple of numbers, and the door itself doesn't open so much as some of the concrete steps that form the the walk up sort of part in the middle and rather than heading up into the building you instead descend into its depths so it's an opening for you all to head into the guts in a sense of the leviathan uh she goes ahead and 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 waves her hand afterwards to beckon you you onwards into the basement and that's where we'll pick up next time here on the eternity archives The Eternity Archives is hosted, produced, and edited by Dorka, Bappy, and Zipa. Find us on Twitter at, at @thearchivespod or online at theeternityarchives.com. Our intro music is Paint the Sky by Hans Adam, and sound effects are obtained from zapsplat.com. Check out our show notes for more information and some helpful resources. Consider supporting us by telling your friends about us, or leave us a tip at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash theeternityarchives. Subscribe to our Kofi for all sorts of exclusive bonuses, behind-the-scenes content, and other fun surprises. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.